Uh, good morning, Rock Bible Church. No, no, no. I heard you saying you were all loud. There was energy, the whole thing. Let's uh, let's try this again. Hey, good morning, Rock Bible Church. All right. I mean, if not, let's just go home and watch from our rooms, right? Uh, thanks for the energy this morning. And just hearing people sing in church is such a blessing because uh, we went without it for a while. I've been having all these contemplative moments about the last year and, uh, and such. So that, that was fun. Uh, we started a new series uh, last week in the book of Colossians. And um, t- we tend to do a chapter at a time as a church and work our way through a book. And um, we, we kind of switch gears just a little bit, just a little bit. Uh, we drop down to first gear uh, and we're doing a chapter over the course of two weeks. Now, so we're doing two weeks on uh, chapter one. You only have missed the first half of chapter one last week. Um, we did uh, sections one through 14. We're going to finish up chapter one today. And last week we talked about the idea that you're qualified and you have an inheritance. And Paul gets into that um, in less technical language than that. But he does say that, that we're qualified. And last week we talked about how we're qualified, a super important foundation and what we're inheriting. Um, and it, it's great. Uh, this week, um, we're going to have even more fun, I think. And that's all that matters because I'm teaching, right? So um, so we're going to get going here in just a second. Let's pray, and then we'll, uh, we'll jump right in, uh, verse 15. Lord, thanks for this morning, and thank you for uh, all the things that we get to participate in. Um, pray, Lord, we take none of them for granted and enjoy them when we get them, like being at church or being able to watch from home, and we're just, uh, we are frustrated in some ways by what we've had to deal with over the last year, but let us remember how good you are and the gifts that came out of it at the same time. We have a new, renewed sense of what it means to meet together and how important that is, uh, and how great it is to have a tech team and be able to do something and set it up remotely and watch on YouTube, Uh, and we didn't have that before either. Pray, Lord, that uh, this morning on greater terms, we would get to look at what do we have that we didn't have before in you, because of you, and for you. And I thank you for this passage that we get to go through for uh, how articulate Paul has been and uh, what we get to share in it. And so I, I pray that you would bless this time that would honor your son, and we thank you for him in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Let's jump right in. Um, Colossians chapter 1, verse 15. Paul's been um, talking about this idea that we're we're special. Uh, Not more special than anyone else, but really all of us are God's creation. And in that, there's some stuff that is just natural and special for us. Uh, And now he's going to explain kind of why. We talked about last week how we're qualified and what we're qualified for and inheritance and what. And and, um, this week he's going to start to explain why. Um, And this uh, cracks me up a little bit because I I mean, joke about this. We do it at church all the time. I'm, I'm at church. I ask you a question and the answer is, Jesus or God, right? Read your Bible or pray, right? It's one of those answers. Usually we think it's Jesus even when we know it's not Jesus. We feel like we just say Jesus because Scott's going to trick us and we're going to find out that the answer was Jesus. That's what he's doing right here. In the next several verses, five, six verses or whatever, um, he's going to explain the preeminence of Christ. He's the why in everything he explained, the first 14 verses, and he's the foundation and, and um, what he's going to build on for the next two, uh, three chapters after this, okay? So there's a little heads up. Uh, he is the image of the invisible God. Um, I love this um, for some of the hermeneutical arguments you'd get when you're in deep theological doctrinal discussions, just out on the street, you know. No, uh, people want to say, well, Jesus, he was just a great man, or he's a good teacher. Uh, scripture never says that. It says he was God. Um, and here's a great place for us to 
uh, get just a tiny piece. It doesn't make the whole argument for us, um, but it gives it just a tiny piece that helps that argument. This God that we experience as invisible, yet to see him, right? Uh, in fact, uh, Hebrew culture would have said you can never see him because if you saw him, bye-bye, you're done, right? It's over. You can't be in the presence of God. It would, it would crush you. You'd go up in flames or maybe lightning. I don't know what his form of you being gone when you're in his presence because he's too great for you. But Paul is, is actually dancing on the edge of trouble right here because he's calling into question that idea that Hebrews would say you can't even be in the presence. You can't even see him. He says, well, actually, Jesus was our opportunity to actually see what we thought we would never see or could never see. Uh, and good news, if you act now, you'll get this gold medal medallion. No, no. Uh, you'll get to see him before heaven, right? There's this idea that, well, you know, we're just kind of making it through. At some point, we all pass, you know, death and taxes, the only things, two things that are sure, right? And then, uh, then we'll get to see him. Paul's saying, no, let me call two things into question. Yes, you can see him, and you don't have to wait. We actually saw him. Uh, this is what we love about, there's two statements being made here. The, the God statement, who is he? Jesus, he's fully God. And if he's visible, there's some physical expression of him. Uh, this is great because we had physical expressions of him in the past that people couldn't really explain or trying to figure out or it was so long ago or there were no witnesses, you know, uh, Adam and Eve in the garden. There, was, there were no, no bystanders. Their ring cameras weren't up catching video. So we couldn't experience that. Uh, well, there, there's the burning bush. Well, yeah, okay, but that's a flame. How do you interact with the frame? Poorly. We get Jesus on the scene, and now we're getting to see God, and we're getting a physical, tangible, possible interaction. That's functional and makes sense. Um, and and I, I, I beg of you, when you read your Bible, uh, to read through it for volume and get through books and, you know, breeze through stories and the whole thing. And as important, get stuck in sentences. Because this, that we're about to get into this long thing, and he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation, and by all things, things were created, right? All these, it's almost like a list in paragraph form. And the temptation is to, well, let's get through number one, so we can get through number two, so we can get through number three, and when we get through all six, then they're going to tell us why he gave us all six. Yes, but spend time on number one. Spend time on number two. Um, you know this is important because I force feed it to you that way every week, right? So this first phrase, it's not even the full sentence. It's just this first phrase gives us some great things. Uh, uh, seminary classes will teach Greek out of this book a lot of times because of the theology that comes out of it rather than just storytelling. Um, it's, it's really, they do it with all the, um, the epistles, the Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and then this one, Colossians. Uh, the firstborn of all creation. Firstborn had a had a, a implication in that culture. If you're the firstborn, what do you get? Everything, right? If you're second place, there's not even a plaque for that, right? Well, unless you knock them off, then you're heir, right? Now you get everything again. Um, of all creation, he's firstborn, but firstborn of what? Of all creation? Like, what's the payoff? In a, in a kingdom, there's, there's the king, and then there's the firstborn. When the king is gone, what happens to the firstborn? He ascends to the throne, right? And becomes king. Don't let that image we get lost on you. Jesus is the heir to king. He's next king. Not just firstborn when it comes to inheritance, priority, and title, but 
Who's he going to be? King. It's interesting. A little worldly reminder analogy. Verse 16, uh, for by him all things were created. Whoops. Who'd we just place in the creation story? Jesus, right? See, there it was. We were at church. I asked the question. The answer was Jesus, right? I'm serious. Like, you're 50% of the better. You're going to be right. Uh, I like to talk about Genesis. It's one of my favorite books. I love the narrative, characters, story, conflict, resolution, lesson comes out of it. Um, I like to talk about the existence of Christ in Genesis. And people like to say, well, wait a minute, uh, the word Christ never shows up in Genesis. The word Jesus never shows up in Genesis. Not Messiah, not Son, none of that stuff. In fact, there's no real even prophecy about Jesus in Genesis. Oh, I beg to differ. If you read it and understand what's going on here, and then you cross-reference from some of the stuff that we find in the New Testament, uh, we have to start asking deeper questions. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the cool of the day. That's in the garden. That's chapter 3 of Genesis, very beginning of all the books. Who's walking in the garden? Hey, folks, she's two for two. Like, I'm, four, I'm, I'm like lobbing softballs at you, right? And you're just like, oh, I don't know. I don't know. This is a tough one, Elijah. No. No. That's Monday night women's study, right? Okay. Um, no, he... He's at creation. And not only at it, caused it. Whoa. Does it add a little something to everything he says for you now? Is that a little more to everything he says? He, he was more than an afterthought, more than a came along later, more than um, a fan who had front row seats watching God the Father do everything? Uh, no. Uh, hands dirty, feet wet. Right? There was a lot of water at the beginning. Feet wet. Um, in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things, how many? Were created through him and for him. Ooh. Through him. How? And then for him, why? Uh, I love Hebrew writing. And uh, Greek writing too, this is Greek writing, but I love Hebrew writing uh, even more sometimes because they seldom get into the how. And we're we're so desperate to turn the Bible into a science book. And there's some science in it. Don't get me wrong and don't send me any emails about it. Okay, there is science in the Bible. Not very much, not the purpose of the book. Hebrew writing, and for the most part, Greek writing, right? We, we, get, we, uh, the, we got this phrase that we use a lot with Greeks, Greek philosophers, right? What are, they, what are they trying to do? They're trying to get to why. How? Eh, there's many ways. But why? The many ways are mostly driven by the same whys. And that's fun because that's what helps us. Because uh, now the Bible can be multicultural, multigenerational. Instead of getting stuck on the hows, we we extract the why, and then we can we can apply it to any of the hows or whats that we have, right? And now when has become less important, and so all your date lines for when stuff happened in the Bible can be set aside for a while. They're probably second, maybe third priority. Um, God deals in the whys. Uh, and what's too, right? Uh, how many of the what's is he involved in? We said all. And then he says, for him, that's the why. What you're qualified for last week, beginning of the chapter, is for him. You were designed, created, and gifted, and uh, made perfect. Anybody buying that? Uh, I don't know. I think I'm supposed to say Jesus right now, but that didn't sound like a Jesus question. Uh, you were made perfect. Official policy of Rock Bible Church. 
not perfect by anybody else's definition, but perfect for him. Why? Because he was in all creation, right? Created by him. You were made perfect for him. How do we know that? He created you. Through him and for him. Now we know why we're qualified. Uh, and then the what we're qualified becomes much more exciting. Right? Uh, so he is, verse uh, 17, he is before all things. Which, which place is he in? First place. Right? We're a sports church too, by the way. Not all the time. It's not like super mandatory. But we want to catch the biggest fish. Have the fastest time and have the most. Whatever we're tallying, we want to have the most, right? When it's time to do donations to the charity around Christmas time, our church wants to beat all the church, other churches. Amen? Okay, I'm just making sure. Uh, he's before all things, and in him all things, what's that? Hold together. I really like the phrase here because it's... Um, it's not like you just built a chair and now it's held together and you walk away and you put it together. But what can happen once you walk away and people start using it? What can happen to the chair? Right? So my, my elementary school teachers used to tell me all the time, you keep leaning back on that chair, you're going to break it. I never broke a chair. I don't understand. I wasn't big enough. Now, however, don't. Um, Hold together implies more than just put together. Put together is like a temporary, it's in really good shape, and then now it's going to start aging over time. And, uh, you know, if it's wood, the mites might get to it and the whole thing. And if it's metal, the rust might get to it. And eventually it might not hold together. And he could have said, uh, and in, in all things he put together, it says hold. What's, it, what's that imply? We've just added time to the equation. That's super important for us because there are many times, many days, most weeks where I think to myself, I'm really not sure if I'm holding it together and am I going to hold it together? If it's up to me, folks, we're all in trouble, right? If he's holding everything together on purpose because that's what he started and he's doing it for himself. What's that say about what you're experiencing at any given time? His hands are in it. He's on it. He's paying attention. And over time, it's going to happen. That's great news. I have an example. I was at the soccer fields yesterday, right? It's like church. Pete's Coffee and the soccer fields. That's the beginning, definite. This is the foundations of heaven for me, okay? Uh, and I'm talking to this uh, parents and everything, the game's over and people are dispersing and the one, it's this nice couple and they're talking about this, one daughter's on this team and another daughter and they got a son who's really young and he's just about to start and they're having this great old discussion and somehow we, we came to the discussion of my kids. They had three kids, I got three kids, we're having this discussion, <laughs> their kids are like, you know, eight, five, and four, something like that, right? And I'm thinking to myself, oh man, what a great time. And then they asked me about my kids, and I'm like, well, it's 21, uh, 19, about to be 20, and about to be seven. And then I just, I had this weird moment. I said, enjoy the eight, five, and four, or whatever, because... Just yesterday, I didn't have any kids. And bam, all of a sudden, I'm all... And they said this to me. It was one of the rudest things I've ever heard. They're like, oh, you're about to be empty nesters. It's like, oh, you can't say that to me. Like, like you're crushing me. I'm already crushed enough. Because it's like, like coming over me. And I, I'm also having a little more trouble lately because there's this like new concept of emotions and I'm like, what are those? Right? And they're showing up and like taking over sometimes. And I'm, I'm talking to this nice couple. And, and we're, it's, 
nice day in here, and I'm, I'm getting all choked up because of this internal thought of this thing's almost, how, how did I get to 21, 19, and 17, and how'd that hold together? And honestly, if we sat down and had a coffee at Pete's, right, um, I could tell you stories of how many different ways I almost messed it up or did mess it up. Um, and I'm super clear. I wasn't holding anything together, right? I'm barely holding it together right now. Uh, verse 18, and he is the head of the body, the church. Who? Who's the head of this church? Okay, there you go. Uh, you'll, never, you'll never see head on a title at our church. We, we try to avoid head pastor, head elder, head deacon, head of finances, uh, head janitor. I don't, we just, we try not to, he's in, he's in, he's in charge. Amen. I love, um, my mind like wanders even in a personal conversation and people will come to me and say, well, what are the elders going to say about that? And I think, I don't know, what is Jesus going to say about it? They got to answer to him, you know, and I, man, I'm having a moment here. Uh, I get challenged at times by humans about my humanness and my title and my role, who am I accountable to and all this kind of stuff. And it freaks me out because I've read all the passages, folks, I'm in deep trouble. I don't have to answer to any of you, ever. I really don't. But at some point, last breath, last heartbeat, I'm going to stand before him, and he says, I'm in more trouble than you. That freaks me out, right? Those who teach will instruct a, a stricter judgment. Whoa. Okay then I better for sure remember who's in charge, who's ahead. Um, by the way, what we do on Sunday morning, not a passage. It's not me. It, it's not Bryce and what he chooses for songs or that team or the children's ministry. What happens here on Sunday morning uh, is Jesus. He's the head of what goes on here. And I have more examples of things that happen at church that people tried to tell. I was having a conversation about this just yesterday. Like people will come up to me and say, oh, you know, remember that one time you were teaching and you said this? I'm thinking to myself, one, no, I don't remember it. And two, I don't think I said that. Right? You drew a meaning out of that. How? Church. Question. How'd they draw meaning out of it? Thank you, Howard. Okay, now you're two for three. We're, we're, it's getting closer. It's a good competition. All right, he's the head of the body of the church. He's the beginning. Our reasoning, our motivation should start with him, right? He's the beginning. Let's keep going over verse 18. The firstborn from the dead. Now he's firstborn twice. This is a different firstborn, Right? Uh, does this um, demand that there's salvation or life after death? Because after death, he's the firstborn. Right? There's got to be something after death. That in everything, he might be preeminent. Now, this, we could spend, I want to spend like a whole sermon just on this little phrase here. Because the Greek construction is kind of impossible to explain. But here we go anyways. So it's a proteuon. It's not, that's kind of how I butcher it when I'm saying it wrong. Um, but it's, it's, this, um, it's a present participle active. Whoa, Scott, what did you just do? <laughs> present participle active. Okay. There's some hints in there. What type of word is this, this preeminent thing? And by the way, the might be and preeminent, it's all part of the same word. 
and and somebody's taken some liberties to put all those words together to try and define this one word present participle that's that's a big hint and active what type of word do you have do you do you have a noun or you have a a verb this is a verb now you look at it and say that, uh, that in everything he might be preeminent. Doesn't that sound like a title? Oh, your preeminence. Thank you for coming. We're glad you made it. We have a lovely place for you to sit right here. We call it a throne. Congratulations, your preeminence. We've decided that you might be that person. That's what it feels like. It's actually a, a verb, okay? Present, I'm, I'm hoping I don't have to define that. You know what? The present is, right? It's happening now. Participle. Let's, let's have some fun with that, right? Scott, are you turning this really into an English lesson? It's a Jesus lesson, okay? Uh, ING. Can you see? Yes. How do you know? Well, I am seeing you right now. Seeing, participle. Breathing, participle, right? Pick a verb, add ING. You have a participle. That's the, that's the best way to remember it. And now, thank God several times between now and when you die that we don't speak Greek. Because participles in Greek have, it's close to like 24 different types of endings, depending on the construction. We just had ING. We're lazy English Americans, right? Seeing, breathing, talking, thinking. Hey, Scotty, why don't you be hurrying on with this, right? Uh, so we're in the present, and it's an it's a, it's a ing verb, right? If I'm seeing, how's that different from saw or will see? It's present, and is it a one-time event, or is it ongoing? I'm seeing everything that happens you know, I'm thinking about this like for a while now, right? That's just ongoing action. And then the last part of that was the present participle active, right? Passive is something that happens to you, right? You know, it's the funniest thing. I invested this money and I, I looked at it 10 years later and, oh man, there was a bunch more money. It's called passive income, right? You did not. You set it in the bank and then you walked away. Right? Don't think about it. It passively grew. That's passive. Right? You, you guys, uh, 99.8% of you passively developed the hallway this last couple weeks. What, what do you mean? I didn't do anything. Exactly. You passively let that thing develop, and we've got new doors and new lights, recessed, new texture, painted, blah, blah, blah. There were only a couple few people who actively participled over there. Painting, lighting, scrubbing, texturing, right? And I, I want this to come across, and this is why I spent so much time on this. That it says that he, uh, in everything, he might be, what's that, future tense, might be? I thought it was present. Why'd they put might be? That's weird. It's implying future, but the problem is they can't figure out how to translate this well. Fine, if, you're, if you really want to geek out, I, I know it's fine. You want to be cool most of the time, but every once in a while we want to be nerds, right? Get a bunch of different translations or get on a computer where, that can like, load different translations, multi-options, right? Um, and, and watch how all the different translations try to You'll see they're, they're almost all different. Why? Because they don't know how to say that. It's supposed to be present, and it's supposed to be ongoing, and it's supposed to be active. It's not a title. It's, it's a verb. What this is saying that in everything, Christ is going to be actively first place. And it can't be just present because that would be a one-time action. It has to keep going. It, it's... it's um, it's him holding things together, right? 
And I love, um, I was geeking out, and I found one translation. I've decided this is my favorite one. It says that in all things, he's holding first place. Not is first place, because is first place, that could change, right? You, you lose to the second place team, now you're not in first place anymore. No, but if you're holding first place, it's a much different, much different statement. What's coming out here is the reason you're qualified and what you're inheriting and the idea that he holds all things together is, is it's beautiful in the way it was written in a language that we're, we're still trying to understand. That he is on an ongoing basis going to continue to hold, protect, preserve, ensure that it's going to go well. And you'll never be in first place. He will. I absolutely love that. Uh, I really do, by the way, love how ESV, the version we're using today and the one you have in the Pew Bibles, if you're using that, um, and the one I think you should buy and at least have a copy at home, that it says that, that in everything, he might be preeminent before all things or in first, in first place. Absolutely like that. Love uh, New American Sanders says that he might come to have first place, but come to have means it's going to happen later. No, it's like he has it now, present, but he's going to have it later also, and it's just going to be ongoing. If I think about Fred, who's Fred? We don't have a Fred at our church currently. My son, his middle name is Frederick, so he, he half qualifies, but he's in another state right now. So we don't have a Fred, so I can talk about him, right? The, the beauty of looking at Fred and thinking about Fred is recognizing that I know where he started, Jesus. I know who's holding him together right now, Jesus. And who's going to come to be holding him together and holding first place for Fred from now on? God, how you look at your cars, your timeline, an argument, you need to see Christ before it, in it, and ongoing. That you would come to have that experience, right? You see, that he, that he might be might is, that's a question, isn't it? He might be, but there's no question about Jesus. So why would they translate it that way to might be? I thought you said it was present. That means now ongoing, participle, and it's active, not past. How could it be might be? Oh, welcome to your part in the equation. You're the might be. He? Locked down. All good. Everything's taken care of. What's our piece? Well, we might recognize it. We might act on it. We might acknowledge it. We might study it. We might draw more conclusions from it and see it more clearly ongoing more and more and more. Oh, the Greek construction here just incorporated God and you in ways that took about 10 minutes to explain it was an awesome week for me. I love this. Is he preeminent? That's the question. For in him, all, verse 19, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. He's happy for Jesus to be fully God, right? One of the major doctrines of the church, of Christianity, of anything that's valid scripturally, biblically, the deity of Christ. It's top five, top three. I'll go with top three. That's a pastor joke. Trinity, I know it's a little much. Um, but he, he's not just fully God, but he enjoys it. We have a grumpy God or a happy God. This is the interactive portion of the morning. Do we have a grumpy God or a happy God? Okay, folks at home, I have more hope for you than some of them here, okay? Uh, he was pleased. 
and through him to reconcile to himself all things. What, what, what's his business? What's the business he in? Reconciliation. Okay. First uh, Thessalonians, no. Second Corinthians chapter five, uh, reconciliation concept. You can find it there. It's amazing. It's the end of the chapter. Uh, we won't go into that. Uh, but that's the business he's in. Wait, I thought he was in first place, created all things to please him for him, and everything is hold together, and like everything's buttoned down, and we're all good. Yes. Then why, why do we have to reconcile? What do we have to reconcile? That's our part of the equation, right? His side of the equation, there's zero errors on that side of the equal sign. On our side of the equal sign, whoa, it's a mess. You ever seen an equation, a math equation, and you just thought, Nope, not today. I think I'll work on my English. <laughs> you know, I'm going to go watch a show, right? That's us. And God's trying to reconcile that stuff. And, you know, we have pretty good proof of that. I'm pretty sure I'm not totally clear on, like, all of the pieces, but I'm pretty sure there's some, there's some other things that might give us an idea that he's in the business of reconciliation. I mean, I'm hoping that I'm drawing some light to it, Maybe. That's your first service extra. There's no cross outside under the tents to point to and do that little dance with. Um, what we love about him is his perfection. What we also love about him is what he's pleased to reconcile and what lengths he'll go. Now, are you uncomfortable about anything? Are you frustrated? Do you have hopes or dreams um, can he solve them? Yes. Does he want to? Absolutely. How do you know the cross, this passage, and many, many other passages? He's in the business of trying to reconcile things to himself, right? How many things? All things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. Right? We just did the cross thing, so I'm not going to go back to that. Verse 21, and you who were once alienated... Right? Let's, let's get back to that in a second. I want to give you your first fill-in, right? Your first fill-in is this, you know, from this first section that we get, our perspective of Jesus sets the tone for everything. Our perspective of Jesus sets the tone for everything. How you see Jesus, how you view him, what you attribute to him. If you think he's first place, preeminent, in all things, that he created them and he did it on purpose and he's going to reconcile all of it. If you're buying that whole thing, it will absolutely change the way you think, talk, how you spend your money, who you spend your time with, what you drop everything for. What do you drop everything for? You see, how we, our perspective, how we see him, it, this sets the tone. Why does Paul spend so much time? Those, uh, I think it's six verses right there. He says, Jesus is this, Jesus is that, Jesus, he did this, he did that, and here's why. And did it. Why, is he, why does he spend so much time on that? To set the tone, to give you a clear perspective. Like, let me give you a window into what's really going on. That's what Paul's saying. And, and it's going to drive everything. If you think God is in control of all things, you're going to walk with some confidence that will scare people. You'll be able to say yes faster. You'll be able to say no quicker. And it will take you longer to say yes sometimes. And it will take you longer to say no other times. Because your discernment is going to go through the roof. And you'll realize sometimes you need time. And others, time not necessary. I know what I'm looking at because it's defined by question in church. It's defined by Jesus, right? Our view of him. I heard it said, um, and I can't reference where I heard this because I can't remember. I love getting old. Your faith will only be as big as your view of God. Wow, what we just did is we just took you out of the equation. It's not your view of what you can think or can do or how much you can follow or be obedient. 
Now it's based on your view of him. Ooh. That changes the equation. All right, back to um, verse 20. We're going to keep going here. Um, And you who were once uh, alienated. Where am I? No. Verse 21. Sorry. Uh, And you who were once alienated and hostile in mind, doing evil deeds. He has now reconciled. Ooh, there we get our word again. Reconciled. In his body of flesh, by his death, in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach before him. Uh, he's going to dress you up nice. Right? You, ever, you ever gone out and you got a little cleaned up and somebody said, hey, you clean up nice. Or you dress up nice. And you're like, oh, shucks. Right? Um, his goal is for you to look good spiritually that through him for, you you get to do the through him for him are you saying this and i and it was kind of full-throated you guys were loud this morning great is your faithfulness to me right remember great is your faithfulness to me uh great how's he doing you know one of the ways he's dressing you up He's cleaning you up. He's reconciling you. It's not just, oh, he's so faithful. He's given me so many things that I want. No, that's not great. In fact, I learned it this way. Careful what you ask for, you might get it. I'm pretty sure he's in that business too. Why? Because if, if, he, if he can't get you where he wants to get you because you're being stubborn, what does it say? You, you who were, Right? evil and doing deeds, right? Then, and then he'll give you what you ask for so that you can recognize that it fails so that he can then turn you around and bring you the other way, right? I was watching that dog whisperer guy. What is that, Caesar Milan? Oh, man, I love that guy. Even his accent, I, everything about it. I saw him live on stage. I'm getting to that, like, when I was in my 20s, somebody said, hey, you want to go to a dog show? I'd be like, blow off, I'm out of here, Right? My buddy Gino says, hey, long story, but I got tickets to Caesar Milan live on stage out in Modesto. Jump in your car, bring Julie. What do you say? Gino and Caesar Milan and Julie. Not in that order, but that's a trifecta right there, right? Absolutely. They had one dog on stage that wouldn't, was not... I was loving it. It's like, oh, Caesar Milan, like the expert, and the dog won't move. And it's not like a little chihuahua, you know, or a little cocker spaniel or something like that. Do they still have those cocker spaniels? I never see those anymore. We're bringing cocker spaniels back. Um, no, it was like almost Great Danish, right? And he's got this massive leash, and, and they specifically brought this dog out and said, this, this is one we've been having a lot of difficulty with. Caesar Milan is going to show you what to do. And he takes the leash, and he goes to walk. He's like, Pring! and he stops, right? And the dog won't go. And he keeps trying to pull him this way, and the dog won't go. And he's like, oh. and the crowd's like, oh, you know, they're kind of laughing, right, because he does it a couple times. And he did the weirdest thing. He took the leash, and he went around his head and just said, well, let's go this way then. And the dog's sitting there, and he's like, huh? Oh, we're, I'll go this way, right? And once he got him walking, you know what he did? He just went, and walked him all the way across the stage and off the stage. He turned him around the other way, the wrong way for a little while, and then took him off the right way and took him all the way off stage. Boom. It was maybe an eight-second exchange, right? Oh, oh really? Okay, we're going to go over there. Okay, what? What? Okay. And we're off. That's God, folks. That's the reconciliation thing. He'll take you in the wrong direction for a little while if he needs to to get your attention. And then he'll be like, oh, yeah, and by the way, the path's over here. Let's go. All right? Where are we? Uh, To present you holy and blameless right before him. If indeed you continue in the faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. 
He says, yeah, you know, you, you got to continue in faith. You got to be stable. You got to be steadfast. Don't shift. You know what you're supposed to do. And I, I'm, do you, do you write in your Bible? I'm going to ask you to write in your Bible. I'm going to go a step further. If you have a church Bible, I'm giving you permission to write in it right now. I'm not the head of the church, but I am giving you permission to do this right now. What's the most powerful word in verse 23? Oh no, Scott. That's like five lines and Jesus isn't in it anywhere. What's man, folks, when she teaches a class, you're going. Give it to us. If. I put it in my notes. You probably can't see it from there because it's such a small word. But in my notes, what's that? Here. Stella, you're going to be part of the sermon. Real quick. What color is that right there? Red. Red. I put a big red bold on if. Why? It's the most powerful word probably in that whole thing. We have access to the first 10 verses or whatever it is. And then he drops this fat if on us. There is our side of the equation. Well, I thought God was in control. Jesus, like holding everything. Yes, but there's your side. You got to decide you're in. Right? How how much is your kid going to get from church if you don't bring your kid to church? Let's make it more painful. How much are you going to get out of church if you don't go to church? I got the answer. Everybody online knows, right? Oh, I'll just, I'll just sign into the YouTube. Great. How much are you going to get from church if you don't go to church or you don't watch? You don't have some regular God input. If, what are you going to get from God if you never have any God input? What, what are you, you going to get from God if I'm the only one that teaches God to you? Folks, I'm average. I'm temporal. I'm one day a week for most of you at best. This if, praise God, it has nothing to do with me. Off the hook. Not my job description. Zero responsibility for you. I love it. Why? Uh, Because my if is too much work for me too. I need him holding me together in all things just to get my if. But... I'm going to pursue my if as much as possible, all right? Did we spend enough time on if? Yes, thank you. You scored a point. Chat's on the board. Yes, here we go. Uh, Second set of fill-ins, Jesus opens the door. What he's talking about is this idea that Jesus has opened the door for our reconciliation and hope. And I I love what it says. That we have this hope. We have reconciliation. But not just, recon- not just made right, but then there's hope beyond that. That there's recon- reconciliation and then there's more. Oh, you mean there's more? I always loved those commercials when I was a kid. And I saw one just the other day. And if you act now, we'll throw in this full set of kitchen utensils. And I was like, I need to buy this, right? I was like, there's more. That's true about our relationship with the Lord. All right, let's go back to our, our passage here. Um, because I became a minister. Now I rejoice in my sufferings for your sake. And in my flesh, I'm filling up what is lacking. In Christ's afflictions for the sake of his body. That is the church. Folks, I, we're bordering on sacrilege. Paul is like a very dangerous ground. The ice is cracked. There's major gaps. He's about to go down. If we go back to the last slide. For your sake, in my flesh, I am filling up. And here's the part where I want you to start recording. What is lacking, next slide, in Christ's affliction. Folks, this is, this is super dangerous. What is lacking in the cross? Christ's affliction? I'm filling up what was missing in his 
What's missing from the cross? Oh, sin. That's, that's points. That's a, that's a two-pointer. That's a two-pointer. Like you're behind the ark and you just, well, that'd be a three-pointer. I mix my analogies. It goes very well for me. Um, your if is what's missing in the affliction of the cross. He did his whole side of it. He solved the sin so that sin's missing now. How cool is that? Now, like any good counselor would ask you, what are you willing to do about it? Right? What, what are you going to do with your if? Paul says, I'm going to start filling it up. I'm going to start doing something about it. I'm going to, if there's no sin anymore, maybe I'll try not sinning. Maybe I'll try a different pursuit. Like maybe there's righteousness. Well, that's a big fancy word. I've heard that at church a lot. What is that? Do good stuff. How about that? Maybe I'll pursue that rather than the stuff that I know get me in trouble. How about I'm going to drop everything for good stuff and I will no longer drop everything for bad stuff? That's a great question. For the sake of his body that is the church, why are you doing it? Why is he doing it? Because I want everyone else to do well beyond just me. I'm thinking about other people rather than just myself. What a great perspective. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God great phrase. And I'm um, going to read it again. And you're going to say out loud the last two words. You're going to say them like second service. Okay, here we go. Stewardship from God that was given to me for you to make the word of God Christ-centered, biblically based. What's our job? To fully know, right? The word of God. You know, it's just been implied. It's been implied that you can fully know the word of God. What? I didn't even know that present participle active stuff. And you didn't even get into the nominative masculine singular part of it. Please stop, Scott, right there. Uh, no, that's not what we mean when we say knowing the word of God, not the tenses of whatever the Greek was. Don't get stuck in all that detail. Okay, I almost did. I barely lived. Get stuck in the why. Don't get stuck in translations. Get stuck in bigger meaning. I I love what Laren. I can't even say his name anymore without choking up. He said, he said, Scott, I think our responsibility is in (laughs) Waller in the text. Like, I think we're supposed to waller in the text. Like, wallers put up walls. What do you mean waller in the, like, wallow? And I thought to myself, what are the odds that he knows more about English than you, Scott? Don't question the waller word. How about you get stuck in the meaning rather than the details? Just love it. God can be fully known. The mystery hidden for ages and generations, but now revealed to his saints. To them, God chose to make known how great among the Gentiles are the riches of the glory of his mystery. Which is Christ in you. What's the big mystery? Christ in you. Christ in you. Folks, you're reconciled, you're reconciled to reveal the mystery. Look at the top of your outline. Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 through 20-something, blah, blah, blah. Reconciled to reveal. You were made right. Why? So that people could see what the mystery. What's the mystery? Christ in you. For somebody else, it's Christ in them. That that's their value. That's what determines their value. That's their identity. Their identity is in Christ. Not whether they won or lost a game. Not how much they have in their bank account. Not how many friends they have on their social media page. None of that stuff. Right? And I said that goofy, but people are committing suicide 
because of what's happening on social media sometimes because they think that's their identity. They, they have no idea of the mystery. It's such a mystery that they're putting their value in nothing. Scary. The hope of glory. The hope of glory. I just, I, we got to have fun with that. There's hope. Hope for what? Glory. How, does glory sound good? Well, when does glory start? When's glory start? Present, participle, active. Now. Glory starts when you decide to start a church and you have your first meeting at your house and somebody you never talked to shows up. I mean, you've talked to them before. You didn't talk to them about starting a church. They show up at the door. And before you, you open the door, you go, What? And they reach out and hand you a check. I didn't even know you were coming. Especially didn't know you were giving money. And we don't even have a bank account yet. Was that glory? Yeah. When's glory happen? When you hope for it. And you trust in the author of it. Right? When you get Christ in you... That's when you start experiencing glory. That can happen whenever. Uh, can that happen in your uh, engagement process? Yeah. What are, you, what are you pursuing in your engagement process? What are you pursuing in your education? What about your work environment? How about your lack of work environment? Uh, are you pursuing Christ in you in your pains and hurts, in your wounds? Are you pursuing Christ in you when you get help from someone else? Are you pursuing Christ in you when you help someone else? That he might be preeminent in everything we do, right? Him we proclaim, warning everyone and teaching everyone with all wisdom that we may present how many people? Everyone. In fact, if we go back to 28, the top in the corner, him we proclaim, warning how many people? Everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom that we might present Everyone, he just said it three times. He just dropped the trifecta on us. Who's this for? Everyone, right? Mature in Christ. Implies that mature in Christ is possible and expected. What will you do with your if? For this I toil, struggling with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. I think that's a reference back to that preeminence word. I struggle with this with all his energy that he powerfully works within me. He's doing the present participle active with me. Amen? What's the last fill-in? Let's wrap it up. It's the mystery made known to you so they can know. It's the mystery made known to you so they can know. That's why we're reconciled. That's why we were qualified last week or earlier chapter. That's why you have an inheritance last week or earlier in the chapter. It's so that you can know and so others can know. Know little, know mostly, or fully known, mature in Christ. Amen? Lord, thanks. Uh, thanks for scripture. Thanks for worship. Thanks for Greek constructions. Most importantly, Lord, thanks for you, your position, your reality, your active, ongoing work, your creation, your definitions. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to buy into Christ in us, that Christ in you is the hope of glory. Help us with that, Lord. If you're here this morning and you need help with that and you want the Lord's help, amen. Uh, if you want our help as well, uh, let me know. Let someone here know. We're a church, we're a body. We're supposed to make it known to each other. We're supposed to help and support in the whole thing. Don't do the passive verb. Do the active one. God, give us ways to pursue the active. Thanks for this offering, Lord, and what you're 
going to continue to do. We love you, Lord. We need you in Jesus' name. Amen. May you be reconciled to a full knowledge and maturity of Christ in you. Amen. Go with him.